The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Peck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new Thanksgiving Day edition of Between the Links. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're having a wonderful week. If you're celebrating, hope you're having just the best Thanksgiving ever. A couple things I want to discuss right off the bat. One, you can hear it in my voice. Very sultry, very Barry Whitish. Uh, not by design. Some, it's, some might call it sexy. Yeah, Mike. maybe. Some, some might. Maybe. Maybe you're you're turning me up a little bit more this time around. Uh, it's not by choice. It is Mother Nature just clobbering me with allergies, just the low country way. It never goes away, and then twice a year, it just kicks you right in the ding-ding, and that is what is going on right now. So that, I just want to, just just forgive the voice. If I crackle a little bit, you're just going to have to deal with it. Two, we're recording this, busting open the curtain here, on a Tuesday. So if something happens on Wednesday or Thursday morning, too bad. <laughs> it's on uh, There's no way for us to react to it, but we wanted to make sure we got a show in. We certainly weren't going to do a live show on Thanksgiving, but we wanted to give you something. Joining me, you can hear his laughter in the background, Mr. Hot Take, Mr. No Gray Area, the man behind Damn They Were Good, exciting episode coming out this week as well, the co-host of No Bets Barred, and many other things here on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network, Mr. Jed Mishu. Jed, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Happy Thanksgiving, Mike. I'm glad you peeled back the curtain already because I was going to do it by saying, before we get into this, Mike, uh, this is the first year I'm cooking Thanksgiving dinner, and... Nobody told me how expensive Thanksgiving dinner is <laughs> to, like, get all of the things to prepare for. I went shopping this morning. I was like, oh, oh, heavens, this was far more costly than my average 
Thursday night dinner. So, but other than that, I'm thankful for so much. Let's talk about it. Yes. Uh, how many people are you feeding this year? Uh, just just a handful of us. Just just keeping it real tidy. Uh, I think four is three, two, four. One of them still sort of up in the air, and uh, you know, costly. That's this is a thing that I've now learned. Uh, so, mom and dad. I, uh, thanks for all those Thanksgivings you cooked my entire life up until now. That was really helpful for my bank account. It's amazing what Thanksgiving does and how costly it can be for three to four people. What wasn't very costly was PFL acquiring 210 people. Uh, those are the fighters that are now a part of the PFL Ator roster as was announced Monday morning. More details went in. Monday afternoon, as Don Davis, as only Don Davis can do, explain himself on the MMA Hour. And boy, oh boy, is there a lot to talk about here. Jed, I know you did a reaction pod with Shaheen and Damon, and I listened to it. And I agreed with pretty much everything you and Damon both had to say, and Shaheen as well. But it's a day removed. You got your initial thoughts out. You reacted like a couple of hours later. It's now a day beyond. And as people hear this, it's three days beyond. Has anything changed? Have you had a good night's sleep, thought about things a little bit differently than you did in the instant reaction? Where are you at with this whole thing? Nah, nothing's changed for me. <laughs> um, I'm not saying I'm right on this one, like because a lot of my feelings are you know, they're that they're feelings, and some of it's uh, a lot of it, frankly, is also projection, not just for this upcoming year, but kind of years down the road. That's really why I was as negative on this as as I have been, um, and you know thing can change like this could shift very quickly and i think it certainly will change some from what was announced but like my my initial reaction was the same as everyone's right i'm sure it was the same as yours oh they finally did this like this has been the worst kept secret in the sport maybe ever like for six months we've known that this is where it was going even with some maybe last minute will they won't they of it still seem like here's where we're gonna end and we finally did that my issues are not that the PFL is acquiring Bellator. I think that that is a good business move for the PFL. The PFL's biggest issue is that they don't have very many good fighters. Bellator has the most good fighters that aren't under the UFC umbrella. That That is a, a peanut butter and chocolate combination that just goes real smooth together, you know? My issue is everything they said after officially announcing that they were acquiring Bellator. If you want to run that down, then we can dive into it. But uh, how are you feeling? Are, or are you as concerned as I am about this? Yes, I'm incredibly concerned because here's I was annoyed immediately, immediately, Jed. As soon as this all came out, Don put out the teaser tweet. The MMA landscape's going to change. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, this is the road we're taking. That's cool. You want to be like, hey, we're changing the game a little bit here. I love it. But then they announce it. And what's the first thing they do? They compare themselves to the UFC. Our roster is this, which, by the way, mathematically, it's just wrong. It's not true. It's totally wrong. It's it, This whole thing, we have the same number of top 25 fighters as the UFC percentage-wise. Absolutely, unequivocally not true. But just to make the entire announcement about that, immediately I was like, okay, this is bad. Like, this, this concerns me. Because the one thing that has concerned me about the PFL from Jump Street, and it's kind of led to Bellator's downfall as well, not from Coker per se, 
but for some of the people who work for Bellator, is that it's not a race. It's not a, hey, we're very excited for the future and what this could be. It's, hey, now we're co-leaders with the UFC because we made this move. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You think Dana White lost one second of Gary Brecka health-related sleep last night? Not a, not a wink. He didn't lose a wink. He went out and gambled for six hours, went home, head hit the pillow, and he zonked right out. This did not concern them one bit right now. This whole thing that we are co-leaders, we're not number two, we're not the XFL, they're not the NFL, just a horrible way to position this. And immediately I was concerned because of how they're trying to position this instead of like, this is an exciting day for the fighters. This is an exciting day for the MMA community. There's a new alternative. We're going to do all these cool things. Why even mention the UFC, Jed? Why is the UFC even part of this? Because everyone who ever gets involved in this sport at a high level is um, an egotistical moron. Like that's the only <laughs> answer I have because it's the only answer that makes sense because like there is, there is no reason to do this whatsoever. You can't like you, this isn't a race. The race is over. It's been won. The UFC won years ago. Pride was the last thing standing in the way. Pride fell. You cannot win a race that has already been run on Tuesday, my man. Like it's so. Why are you trying to compete? It's particularly because a, a, a brief aside on that note. The optics of this are really trash because you're you're talking all this this greasiness and then you're about to put on a pay per view on Friday that's going to sell four pay per views and probably isn't going to be that good either if you just look at it on paper. So like. Maybe delay talking shit until the next event you can put on is something cool as opposed to whatever this is going to be. But I digress. Yeah, there's no reason to invoke the UFC because the goal isn't should not be to be the UFC or to beat the UFC. It is not feasible. It's not even remotely realistic to to honestly even take market share from them. Like real, like honestly. You should just be focused on running your own race, doing your own thing. It's, it was exactly like you said. It's not, hey, you know, hey, here's we're going to compete. No, hey, this is a great day in the sport. You know, we've been really clear on our vision, um, on what we see as MMA and how we want to be involved in this space. And essentially what we're doing with this is aside from, you know, getting, we're going to be doing all these other cool things, what we really have just done is we've acquired 200 more world-class talents to put under our umbrella and to help them help us collectively build our vision of the future. And that's just a way better thing than like Garbo pro wrestling shit talk from Don Davis. Like, what are you doing, man? Like I, if I was in charge, if I could be King of PFL for one day, I would just fire Don Davis. And like, that's harsh. And Don, you want to bring it up with me? Okay. But like, everything you publicly contribute has been pretty mockable and or bad for the last like year. Like just, you don't have to do this. You truly do not have to set that as your goal because when you fail and you will fail, then it looks even worse. Like it, it looks even worse if you position yourself as this because you cannot deliver. That is, that is a fact. That is not an opinion. It is a fact that you cannot compete with the UFC in any reasonable metric, legitimately. If your best case is we have 30% of the best fighters, same as them, which, by the way, we've already said is not true. 
that means absolutely nothing, Jed, because you can have 30% of the most talented fighters. Fuck, you could have 80% of the most talented fighters. You know what you have, what you don't have? You don't have stars. You have no stars. You have Francis, who, by the way, no one is interested in him fighting in an MMA fight whatsoever right now. You have maybe Jake Paul, who, let's be honest, he's fighting Andre August, I think is his name, in a boxing bout that no one cares about. Like, nobody cares about it. It's going to do, I don't even know if it's going to sell out a hotel casino, if we're being honest. And unless he does actually get in an MMA fight with with Nate Diaz, that thing ain't going to sell anything. Like, there might be some sort of intrigue behind it, but outside of those two guys, and no disrespect to the Bellator fighters, because it's not even necessarily the Bellator fighters' faults, there are no stars in Bellator. Absolutely none. Great fighters, but no one is going to generate, hey, I have to pay $50 to watch Patchy Mix fight Magomed Magomedov again, because there's nobody for him to effing fight right now. So that's the problem. You can have the most talented fighters in the world, but if the casual audience or even the just outside of hardcore fans don't care, how, how are you going to make money off of this? I just don't understand. I understand why they're going to allow Bellator to run in 2024, at least for a little while, because they have contractual obligations. They have to do it. They have television deals that they have to follow through with, which is why they're doing this on an international basis. I get it. And I think Bellator hosting events internationally, if they're going to do this quote-unquote reimagined Bellator, is brilliant. That's exactly what they should do. They should not be going to Pachanga Casino. They should not be going to scenic Uncasville, Connecticut. They should be going to Dublin and London and Manchester, the places where they draw crowds and do these shows. And they should have a ton of local talent on. Completely agree there. I think that's a smart way to do it. But, I mean, come on, dude. You're just asking way too much. And then just to immediately be like, hey, our roster's great. We're right up there at the UFC. You're not, because the UFC is going to sell 200. Like Amanda Nunes versus Arena Aldana did six-figure pay-per-view buys. And that was not a great card on paper, but it still does six-figure pay-per-view buys. And you know what? The UFC is in a position right now where if they sell one or one million, it don't matter, because they're still going to make a billion dollars in 2024. Yeah, it's it is a truly baffling lack of self awareness to for that to be the message, because because again, if that was part of the message, right, or if that was just one person, you know, if Don Davis is just off on his own island doing this, okay, but Don Davis is the, you know, ostensibly the face of of PFL at at least in some regards, you know, race up obviously. But he is the dude who is going on the MMA hour, making these statements immediately after this has. And and the message is that the message that's not that's not point three on a, you know, a, a triptych of here are the things This is no, this is our lead off. And which is the lead message is a lie, real stupid and absolutely counterproductive for your ultimate goals like I cannot imagine failing worse at announcing this. I genuinely don't think in any world that is reasonable, like outside of Don Davis, like announcing it by, you know, writing his name in the snow with yellow snow or something like, I don't know how else you could, I don't know how this could be done worse than they did it. Um, which really takes the freaking air out of this man. Cause this should have been a cool day of like, all right, 
there are certainly going to be ne other negatives just with the purchase in general, not even with PFL aspect of it. And we could talk about those, but we'd be like, hey, this is interesting. Let's focus on, you know, why did Bellator fail? And what are the what are the cool things that are going to happen out of this? Not, man, why is PFL doing this this way? That's real bad. And that that is what the narrative is. Like, that's the conversation that leads all conversations on you know, this, this Thanksgiving day instead of any of the other positive ones. Yeah. And they're heading into this pay-per-view, which Don Davis said, and I quote, this is the best card of the year. That's it's subjectively six not true. Super Bowls back to back to back to back to back, which I thought was hilarious. Objectively Defending not the price tag, but first putting out it's there, this is an art call. ESPN's call. And then he said, it's the best fight of the fight card of the year. I mean, come on, man. Like, this and this is the whole thing that can and I'm with you on this. This whole thing concerns me. One, because Don is the most interesting face that you could put in front of them. Like by far, he's the most well-spoken guy. Yeah, but Ray Sefo's smarter. <laughs> you should just be putting. But Ray he just in doesn't say anything. Yeah, that's you know way I mean? smarter. Yeah, and then yeah, between all that and then you know, I, I do respect the fact that we're going to bring in, in all the fighters, which all of them aren't going to last, as he realistically said. Even offering for Mike Kogan and Scott Coker and for the entire staff to come on over too. So let me ask you this. Do you think Scott Coker has any interest in being the face of this reimagined Bellator? Do you think he'll be a part of this? If you had a guess? I would guess no. I really hope he doesn't. Um I have a great amount of respect for Scott Coker. Um we talked about this on the reaction pod. Look. Coker didn't build Bellator, but he did build the second iteration of Bellator. And he is one of realistically like three people in this sport's history who have proven to be able to uh, consistently build and operate a at least some level of successful MMA promotion. That is, is, is a very hard thing to do. And Scott Coker is able to do it. He's pretty obviously been checked out for the past two years, um, maybe even longer at Bellator, honestly. And so bringing him in to PFL where they're not going to make him CEO of this thing. So then he's just going to be in like a other, like a strategic role. If he has interest, maybe I, it seems like he's just ready to move on. And, you know, he's given 30 some odd years to combat. That's, that's, a, that's a good run for anyone. So I, I hope he doesn't. Um, because the other part of this is, and we can get into the Bellator side of this too, down the road here. Um, you know, feels like MMA needs to stop redoing the same things over and over again. If you want to make a statement and, and do something to be relevant, maybe don't, you know, don't go and hire, um, Ron Rivera. If you're trying to make the playoffs, you know, you're going to hire Scott Coker is the Ron Rivera of MMA promoters. He is going to put together a viable product that maybe doesn't make a lot of money and probably loses some money overall, but can hang around for a while. And you know that the quality you're going to get watching it is at least decent. Never going to, never going to win 12 games in a season. You're never going to make a playoff run. Like he can't rebrand as Riverboat Scott Coker. He is just, he is just the Ron Rivera. And there's a place in the world for that. But, there's not a place in the world for that with PFL at this point. If he wants to come on and be your DC, great. You know, you need a defensive coordinator, great. But uh, let let Scott Coker, 
I would say there are other people involved in Bellator that I would be interested if I were PFL in retaining. Um, Scott feels more perfunctory, and I hope that's what it ends up being. It's going to be super interesting how this pans out. I, and I'm with you. I don't know. If, I, I don't think Scott wants to be kind of like the the background face of an organization, but not really doing much. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's like a, a cushy enough gig, and it's all good. And we'll see how the rest of the staff kind of goes with this. And it's unf- it's just so crazy because Bellator 301 was like a really good card, and it ended in such a cool way. And then it's a good it end. just. Yeah, it was great. Jason Jackson just upsets Yaroslav Amosov and Patchy Mix just runs Sergio Pettis. And, and immediately in the aftermath of this event is like, oh, well, what if Patchy goes to the UFC? Well, what happens if Jason Jackson? What if they do PFL versus Bellator? What if, what, what are they going to do here? And of course, Don comes out and he says, you know, by February, if he had his druthers, we're going to do PFL versus Bellator, kind of like a champions event. And I saw some people be like, oh, this is super exciting. But at the same time, I'm like, is it though? Like, I like the idea because, you know, you and I have championed doing world cups and doing like super promotion cool. versus promotion, you know, Bellator versus Ryzen was, we thought was a super cool concept, but at least with Bellator versus Ryzen, we felt like the Bellator champions, at least in some respect, were in jeopardy of losing their fights. We're not even going to get Johnny Eblen fighting. We're not going to get Patchy Mix fighting because there's no middleweight or bantamweight division. There's like outside of Chris Cyborg versus Larissa Pacheco, which we're not even going to get because they're going to go to Kayla Harrison instead. Is there any champion versus champion fight that could come out of Friday that you're like, oh man, gotta watch this. I just don't see a world where any PFL fighter is even competitive with any of these Bellator champions. No, there's not. And that's like, it's one of the, I totally understand the idea and in a vacuum, I like the, let, yeah, let's, let's kick this off by doing a big versus card. That'll be great. Um, but it's one of those things where it looks better on paper than it will be in actuality because there isn't like, honestly, the, probably the most competitive one. Um, I won't say most, I mean, um, Jason Jackson winning, you know, uh, one terrific performance from Jason Jackson. Not trying to take anything away from him, but it would in no way surprise me if Magomed Magomed Karamov could beat Jason Jackson. Like that could be if Magomed Magomed Karamov beats Sadabusi. Um, and honestly, even Sadabusi could beat like Jason Jackson. I would have comfortably picked Yaroslav Amosov, no longer the champ. But yeah, the rest of this is. I mean, I think Larissa Pacheco would run up Chris Cyborg at this state of affairs. But like you said, that's not a fight that will happen. Um, and then, you know, he won't be the champion because the winner of, uh, Hanan Fajeda, Dennis Galtsov is a champion, but Ryan Bader versus Francis Ngannou is better than Francis Ngannou versus anyone else on the PFL roster at the moment. So there's at least somewhere in that. And I don't know if, but yeah, like most of these, if you booked these, and you can't book all of them like you said, but I'm just kind of quick looking at this right now. Uh, Bellator is either going 4-1 uh, and one or 5-0, and oh, I think. There's a world where they could go 3-2, and two, and again, I'm not including women's featherweight because that fight will be Kayla Harrison. It won't be Larissa Pacheco. That one I would give to BFL. But there's a world where Jocelyn Varia could be interesting for Vadim Nimkov. You know, like there, there are some things, but 
no. I mean, this is it is what it is. And so I get the idea of doing it, uh, or at least the concept. I think you should maybe rethink that because it, it's not going to go all that well. The one thing that I mentioned on Heck of a Morning on Tuesday was the one th- the one way this could like seriously work out to some extent. At least they'll at least have a the door will be open. Is the timing of this is actually really interesting because we do have the antitrust lawsuit going on and it doesn't look very good for the UFC right now. Now, will it affect the UFC big time? Yes, but will it also potentially affect PFL and other organizations? For sure. But at least if UFC has to pay out, you know, upwards of five and a half billion dollars to the plaintiffs if this all rules against them and it looks like by all indication like it seems not very good for zufa in the ufc right now they have a window to like sprint through it but again i just don't know if they have the horses to do it so it's gonna be a really interesting year i guess for pflator because i just don't know if this bellator thing I think they're just going to go through the contractual obligations, do the international series, do the A cards, and then just wrap it all up and kind of go. Everyone's just under one umbrella. I will be genuinely shocked if Bellator exists in just about any form uh, come 2025. Um, Because one, you know, contractual obligations seems to be the answer to why they're doing this. And two, in the history of MMA, this has happened before other organizations have been acquired and the companies have suggested we're going to keep running them as two separate entities. And every single time they have realized that that plan doesn't work because it's just doesn't make any sense. So I, I, I think maybe they just leave the name Bellator for their international series because Bellator does have some name recognition in places like Dublin, et cetera. Um, and then it, you know, it's the, Bellator International Series brought to you by PFL or whatever. Maybe that's the case as a is a true f- developmental feeder league. But um, if if PFL isn't taking literally every fighter from Bellator that is like a good fighter and not someone that has had two fights in the promotion on the prelims or whatever, uh, they're screwing up because like just look at the PFL's roster, man. Like what? What? Just you're. You would trade every fighter in the PFL. Like, if you could just do a clean swap, PFL would have to say yes because one roster is so much better than the other. So uh, it's just going to do that. And you brought up the thing that I think is um, the most interesting point of all of this to me. I talked about this a little on our reaction pod, and it's I don't think PFL is going to be successful long-term. If I were betting money, I would bet that PFL as a promotion is gone within five years. If I am wrong, I am pretty sure uh, that I will be wrong, not because the PFL did anything great, not because, ooh, they started taking market share from the UFC and they started selling pay-per-views and their deal with ESPN or, you know, when their rights ran up, maybe they, they get on Netflix or something. You know, it won't be that. It won't be they succeed because they succeed. They will succeed because they are in position to take the most advantage of the antitrust suit. Because at this point, it seems like that is going to come down the pipe this upcoming year. 
I thought for the longest time the UFC was going to settle it because based on everything that I was reading from the documents and in general, my just ability to recognize when you're screwed, uh, I was like, the UFC can't go to trial on this. They're going to lose. So they should just settle because like, if you just come to John Fitch and company with a billion dollars, they'll take it because it's a billion dollars or whatever. They're not going to get on their horse and be like, I'm going to hold the, hold the line here and wait for more. Now, if now that the fighters are on the cusp of it and realize how close they are to actually winning and getting so much more money and the injunctive relief that will come from, hey, here are the business practices that you are operating with that are not acceptable. You can no longer have contracts that exceed two years. You can no longer have like these highly restrictive things. That is going to fundamentally change the UFC's business model. I straight up, when the UFC sold, when Zufa sold it, I was like, yeah, they sold it because they know that this this court, this case is coming. And eventually, whether it's five years or, you know, next year or whatever, that's going to ruin their whole business. So the Fertitas were like, Let, I'll take a couple billion, get out. And I was a little early, but I'm not wrong. And like that's the P- the best thing the PFL has done with this acquisition is they did not take on new debt, which is. Uh, I think the most critical part of this and they have vastly improved their stockpile to be in position when this comes down. Now it's still going to affect them. The same things that go for the UFC will go for them contractually, et cetera, but they will be in a much better place to then start grabbing market share because the UFC is probably just going to have to dump market share when, when things get that bad for them. If, if that goes the way it kind of looking like it's going, but if that doesn't happen, I don't think this is going to save the PFL. I think the PFL is done in five years if the antitrust thing doesn't work out for them. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Last thing on this. Uh, well, look, we've reacted to this in a, in a number of different ways. Um, from the Bellator side, and obviously when a deal like this happens, we compare it to the UFC getting pride and getting strike force and then the whole thing with WEC and merging everything together and how big of a deal those things were. And even to some extent, elite XC absorbing into strike force and what that became ultimately part of the whole UFC family. And we revere, we talk about, especially with all the damn, there were goods that we have done. The strike force days, the WEC days, the pride days. And then we have this Bellator thing and Bellator to their credit, was able to stay afloat for all of these years, despite terrible promotion and everything else that was going on, a product that was just so stale and just the same over and over again. There was just, it was just wild, man. But somehow they were able to do it. 10 years from now, Jed, when we look back, when we're doing damn, there were goods 10 years from now, are we going to look back on Bellator with the same fondness as a strike force, as a pride, as a WEC? Or do you think, we're just going to kind of kind of forget about them. Like they'll be, you know, a part of history, but not as revered a part of history as those other organizations were. They're definitely not going to be revered. Um, we talked about, I talked about this a little with Shaheen um, because, you know, the funny thing is when you talk about those other promotions like Strike Force, like WC, like Pride, you know, the common thread in all of them, they got bought. They didn't, they didn't get a stock exchange deal for no money. They got bought. Because let's be real clear about that. Bellator was, quote unquote, acquired for 
nothing essentially that for stock in PFL, which is not a traded company. And like I said, might actually be worthless in five years. <laughs> you know, um, they, they were given nothing and for this, and that's because that is what they are worth. They are, they were worth nothing. They were not worth any assets of any real value. And Strikeforce was, PFL was, WC was. That's why they got purchased. And the way they were, when she and I were talking about it, even now, if I look back on Bellator, again, I got an absolute massive amount of respect. Putting on 300 events is basically the UFC has done that, Bellator has done that, and Chudo has done that. Like That's basically the only companies that have ever done that. I guess Cage Warriors also been around for a long time. Um, very different, you know, sort of levels there though. That got a ton of respect for that. Having having a company for 15 years functionally that is paying people bills, putting food on the table, that's that's a hell of an accomplishment. But that's I'm what are the highlights? What are the things to look back on? There are some moments, you know, Eddie Alvarez and, and Michael Chandler was cool and the Grand Prix featherweight thing that they did was fun, but it it is it never resonated in the same way, and I think there are a lot of explanations. There are a lot of reasons. I think some of it's ineffable, but there's I think there's almost zero percent chance we're going to think back and be like, man, I miss Bellator on Friday nights or Thursday nights or Saturday nights because they never had a night of the week that they were on. It always was it it bounced around based on the whims of them. So uh, no, I, I don't think anyone's going to really miss them. We at the end of the year we always do our promotional grades and airing of grievances, and I kind of feel like we're not going to be able to do Bellator. It's kind of almost like an incomplete. And by the time this comes, like it's almost oh. going to be even like a month. It's going to be like a thing of the past, right? I'm definitely giving it a promotional grade for its final year, but yeah, it'll be the last wait one. That or you want to give it to him now? Oh, uh, I mean, I think you have to have an F, right? Like. <laughs> If you if you collapse as a company, because that's what would have happened. If PFL didn't acquire them, Bellator was going to just straight up fold. Um, that is what all of the reporting and rumors around this have been. Is the P, the reason the PFL could could give them nothing and acquire Bellator is because it was literally better than absolutely nothing, which is what would have happened. P, Bellator would have just collapsed without Showtime behind it, and so. I think if that's the situation, you have to fail. But it's interesting because if they hadn't, that hadn't happened, they have had the nuts and bolts of it has been a really good year. Like they have put on a lot of really good quality top to bottom cards. They continue to develop and and find new talent really well. And and that's the big thing. If I'm the PFL, more after getting the roster that they currently have, the only thing I cared about acquiring, it's not the Bellator name. It's not Big John McCarthy in the booth. It's not the circle cage. Buck on all that. The thing I want is their talent dev process. I want the people who are spotting new talent, bringing it into the building and developing it because that is why Bellator's roster is so good. They have made a concentrated effort to do that over the past few years and it has paid off big dividends. So if I'm the PFL and I'm, I have these long-term goals, that needs to be a priority. One is getting the current people into the, into the building. Priority two is getting the people responsible for that on your team and working for you moving forward. I love that idea. Uh, they've done such a great job with that. Like even some of the talents that UFC passed on, the Rafian Stotzes, the Danny Sabatellos, like look what look what Danny Sabatello has become. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's over. Like whether you love him or hate him, dude's over. 
Rafian Stotts, very solid hand. And the UFC didn't want to even want to touch him, which is crazy to me. And then like the Aaron Picos and the Ed Roots and finding the Yaroslav Zamasovs of the world. And, and some like they have done a tremendous job at scouting talent. That's honestly been the best thing they've done mm-hmm. over the last like three or four years. They just haven't been able to convert into like any value of substance where they they're creating actual stars. And when they actually find one, they didn't do anything with them. We talk about the big tuna flop all the time. Uh, Look at like AJ McKee. Like how you let that guy just kind of fade off into Bellator obscurity after everything he accomplished, winning the featherweight grand prix and getting that big win. And then just doing nothing with him. You knew right there that the writing was on the wall, that they just can't do this. They can't do it and they can't do it right. So, and then even like Bellator 301, like AJ gets this win and he just bludgeons Sydney Outlaw off of his back. And the guy's about to say some really good shit. And we go to the desk. Oh, we they go to the care. desk. Well, they're they already sold at that point. What do they care? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what are we doing? Actually, the deal wasn't done just yet. At that point, they were still unknown. They truly didn't know what the hell was going on on Friday. Even from like conversations I had. Didn't know. Fucking didn't know. It's so wild, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the great failings. About, I, I think Bellator had one major issue. But I think one of their many other very significant issues is just they couldn't do that. And so if you can't develop stars, then the quality or like the low level stars you do develop, they're just looking for an out. If you can't turn them into real stars, Michael Chandler wanted to leave because what else was there for him? He had he had he had hit the top of what can be done in Bellator. He wanted to leave. Eddie Alvarez wanted to leave. Ben Askren wanted to leave. Like the, that's just how that works. And so you PFL needs to find a way to do that with this talent that they are developing and that they're about to acquire because they got some hitters. They're going to need to turn it, turn them on, or else those dudes are going to go to the UFC the same as always. And then Don Davis is going to continue to look real foolish. Yeah, if they could develop one non-UFC, former UFC star into their own and like run with that, giant win. Absolute giant win. I just don't know if they have it in them to do it. So it's going to be interesting. We are going to find out. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about the PFL pay-per-view in a couple of minutes. We'll recap what Brendan Allen did on Saturday as well. We'll take a short break pay some bills when we return we'll discuss a little more of that on the special thanksgiving edition of between the links we'll be right back the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba DraftKings brings you same game parlays live betting odds boosts and so much more don't miss out as the nba postseason winds down and new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, welcome back to a special Thanksgiving edition of Between the Links. Jed and I just kind of going off the cuff, doing the damn thing. Jed, we talked a lot about PFL. We talked a lot about Don Davis's thoughts about the PFL World Championship coming up on Friday, being a $50 price tag saying that it's an incredible value compared to any of the UFC cards at $50, which is just, I mean, come on, dude. I, I legitimately think my most successful tweet of all time was me quote tweeting that and being like, this is insane. Um, <laughs> it's, it's gotten like a half million impressions or something insane because it's 50 bucks is wild. 50 bucks is wild for this one. Yeah, I mean, last year, I think, I mean, from people that I spoke with, it probably did from between seven and 12,000 buys. And I don't know if that's what's true and what isn't, because we'll never actually know the numbers, but that was like kind of the consistent. But this card, man, it's worse. Way I worse. I mean, I like. Way worse. I do like the main event a lot. I like Clay Collard versus Olivier Alvin Mercier. It's going to be OAM's final fight. At least that's what he's saying in the build up. Clay Collard has been one of the more exciting guys in the sport that you may or may not have heard of. We have all these title fights. We have Larissa Pacheco trying to make it two in a row in terms of championships. We have Magomed, For, Magomed, Karamat. Try, action. Trying Please? to be the first double champ, Mike. She was the lightweight champ. This is for featherweight. Oh, so. yes, yes, yes. See? Big, big things popping. Yeah, see, I covered the sport and I didn't didn't even know that. I didn't even it wasn't even at the top of my mind. Goes to tell you everything you need to know. Uh, Magomed Magomed Karamov actually going to fight for the welterweight title against Sadabusi, Impa Kasaganai, Josh Silvera, the return of Kayla Harrison, the PFL debut of Derek Brunson, which will open the main card. Yet Jesus Pinedo has had a really impressive run to this point. Against Gabriel Braga, who's had a really impressive run, they are delegated to the prelims while Ray Cooper the third and Derek Brunson get the main card open treatment for the fifty dollars. So boy, does this even get a quarter Michulin star Jed? If you are in Maryland right now, visiting family or something, and you could go to this one, are you going? I would probably go if I was physically in DC, I would probably attend this. Um, this might be the lowest one star Mashulin card <laughs> that's ever been put together. Um, look, when you have the opportunity to open up a pay-per-view main card with Derek Brunson, you gotta do it. I always say that. Um, certainly not your exciting 145 or whatever. Also, six fight main card when four of those fights are championship fights. Look, we, we we did this last year. We know it can be a long haul. It can be a slog. There's always the the risk when you're running this many title bouts that something something might get uh get weird out there. But 
you know, at least these fights have stakes. They have some level of meaning. They're for a million dollars. That ups the interest to at least some extent. Hanan Fajera is usually pretty fun to watch. Clay Collard always fun to watch. Pacheco is not going to waste our time. She's going to run right through Magantina. Uh, and, you know, even some of the prelim stuff, like Bubba Jenkins, Chris, Chris Wade trilogy is okay. Um, Biagio Ali Walsh keeps dusting people, r- remaining an amateur for the reasons that he is remaining an amateur and the PFL is content to do so. Um, so I think this is the lowest one Mashulin star card thus far, but it does earn a star. Seven, this is a seven fight main card. No, no, no. It's six. Uh, isn't it? Collard. No, OAM. it is seven. You're right. Oh Ferrara, my goodness. Stuff. Pacheco. There's so five title fights, Cooper Brunson, Oh, and Harrison Ladd. I had it as six. Oh my god! I just for whatever reason I was blanking the Harrison Ladd's on it. Yeah, seven fights and and five of them are title belts. Yep. Now, granted, again, Pacheco will be done in sixty seconds, but <laughs> Sadabusi and Magomed Karamov has a really good chance of going the full distance. Severia uh, Mbakasana uh, is probably going to finish up. So there's at least that. Uh, actually, this one will go faster. Off. This one will go so? faster. Yeah, because look, the light heavyweight's probably going to get a finish. Uh, Pacheco's going to get a finish. And Hanan Fajeda is either going to get knocked out or either going to get choked out or he's going to knock out Dennis Goltsov within seven minutes, I would guess. So at okay. least three of them are probably going to be quick efforts. So maybe it won't be that bad, but still, it's always a risk, always a gamble. Is Kayla Harrison's return the most interesting storyline on this entire card? No, it's not even interesting. She's going to kill Aspen Lad. Aspen Lad's not good at fist fighting people anymore. I'm not sure <laughs> she ever was, but at one point we thought she was. But uh, forgive me, beating Carolina Sobek does not um, instill a massive amount of confidence. That I mean, I'm, I'm happy to see Kayla Harrison come back after the loss. I'm sure she'll look real good. Um, want to see how she's been developing, you know, because that's sort of still where she's at in her game, despite having a bunch of fights in the PFL. Um, Aspen Ladd is, is, I guess I'll use the word test, but um, it's like Aspen Ladd's like a pop quiz, not really a test. Like there are different levels of tests too. You know, you've got like the end of year final and then you've got just like a, a weekly pop quiz. That's really where Aspen Ladd is on the testing realm for Kayla Harrison. So we'll we'll at least learn something and it it'll be good enough. But um, I'm not like dreadfully interested in that fight either, frankly. Even Don Davis called it a tune-up fight. Like he let it slip, but he essentially called it a tune-up fight for Kayla. Yeah, but dude, what... just that's I respect that. Be honest. Be yeah. more honest. That's all I ever ask from any promoter. Just don't don't lie to me because we can all see the lies. Yeah, I mean at least with the whole Francis thing. After the Tyson Fury fight, when he came on and said, no, there's nothing interesting for Francis and MMA right now. Yeah, like, I respected that. Was that was totally legit. I respected that. Would Aspen Ladd knocking out Kayla Harrison in 30 seconds be the funniest thing that's happened all year? Not all year, because this year has been really funny. If Kayla Harrison was still undefeated, like if she had beaten Pacheco last year or whatever, um, then yes, maybe it may well have been, because this, uh, the smoke would still be all the way up every place that that smoke can get to. But... Taking the loss to Pacheco has kind of cooled everybody. Taking the time off, is, it's just not as hyped as she was in the thick of it. So it would still be quite funny, but it won't be. <laughs> it won't be nearly as funny as Francis Ngannou 
uh, dropping Tyson Fury are still, for my money, the funniest thing. It it's not my boy DDP. That uh, that was great. It it still is Sean Strickland uh, punking Izzy at the end of the fifth <laughs> round. That remains the funniest thing I've seen this year. I mean, Kayla losing to Aspen would be. It'd be pretty funny, though. It'd be very funny. And it would at least Larissa Pacheco would then go on and get the Chris Cyborg fight, which would be kind of poetic in I some extent. Cyborg takes it. Well, I mean, this, this is what Cyborg I think they should do. Cyborg might just box. Well, this is what I think they should do. Regardless of what happens on Friday, because we assume both Kayla and Larissa are going to win. Do the Cyborg-Leah McCourt fight as part of the Bellator International Series. Do it in Dublin. Sure. And you could even do this on the same card or do it on the pay- first pay-per-view card. Kayla Harris and Larissa Pacheco. Winner gets Cyborg. Like, let's have some fun. Put some fucking stakes on this, on these fights, just, for God's sake. I think you got to just do Harris and Cyborg. If they're in the same, that, that has been built up too much. You just, just jump on it and then you can settle everything else afterwards. You think so? I think it, you just have to. Do you think Chris it, does that, though, or do you think she fights Leah? I have no idea what goes through the mind of Chris Cyborg. Um, and, you know, she's earned at this point whatever she wants to do is fine. I'm Again, I'm not entirely sure she ever fights in MMA again. She seems to enjoy boxing. She's getting up there in years. At some point, she's got to just be like, I'm, I'm done with this game. Um, but I do think that she would take the Kayla Harrison fight now that they're under functionally the same promotional banner. Because if she doesn't, that really looks bad for her like it it really looks bad for her if she doesn't so i think that that's what's going to happen i think that that's what should happen because we just we just need that to be done so we don't add another to the long list of fights that didn't happen that we wanted to see yes we'll see what happens hey we'll be covering it on friday uh i'm i will be there uh in sunny florida Covering this event. Are you going so, down, you're going down to Florida for the holiday? I am. I'm going to mm, go see the nice. go see the rents and uh, do the Thursday thing, do the Friday thing. Play some golf on Saturday with, with Pop Dukes and, mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully I perform so, better so. than I did in the Chris Weidman golf outing that you guys will see sooner rather than later. But uh, game's coming together. Coming for you, Pops. Coming for you. We'll <sighs> see what happens. Sent. Yeah, he's... He's he's a gangster on the golf course. I mean, we already talked about UFC Vegas eighty two. Do we? Is there really anything more we need to say about it? No. What <laughs> what, what right, happened so, that is notable on that card for that the we broader didn't talk sport about. of MMA? Nothing outside of like I still don't know what's going on with the Mike Beltran no contest thing. Uh, not nothing's happening. That's nothing's fine. going to happen with that. Let me ask you this: Someone asked this on heck of a morning. Look, great win for Brendan Allen. I don't think it's going to age particularly well, but it's a great win. Dude has been just running fools at 185. He's been on a roll. True or false, Brendan Allen will fight for the middleweight title sometime in 2024. False. 2025, I maybe. I agree. I think he's like four wins away at this point. I don't think he's four. I think he's at least two, maybe three. It will depend on what the texture of those fights look like and who we can get to say yes to him. Um, the issue is that he, he he is too far away because of even though there's like odd middleweights oddly kind of open, but there are a lot of dudes who are also like right there for it, if that makes any sense. Like there's not a guy right now 
outside of um, we're doing obviously DDP's getting it. There's not a next man up who's like that dude is a hundred percent the next guy waiting in the wings. But there are like several of them who are almost, and then at any point in time, Israel Adesanya can just be like, "I'm back, bitches." So I, Brandon Allen's going to have to beat if he gets like Marvin Vittori off this, which I think is the best case scenario for him, and beats Marvin Vittori, then he's a win away. But then that still puts him on a 2025 timeline. Yeah, because you got DDP, you got Shemaev, you got Adesanya. Shemaev Cost. will be fighting for the title next year. Like that's for sure. just going to happen. They might just wait because all Paul Costas is just win a fight, and he's pro- he's mm-hmm. he jumps up in line too because he's a super popular guy, and he gets a response from people. Plus, Whitaker's still kind of in the picture now that the belt has changed hands. You know, yeah. If like, he fights still, Usman and wins, he's yeah, he's still he's right, there. He's right in right in the mix. So yeah, Brendan Allen is two. I, I think he's three wins away, and so I think it's twenty twenty five if he can get the wins. Who fights for a belt first, Brendan Allen or Bilal Muhammad? That is, I, I'm going to say Bilal Muhammad. I think. He's going to get the pity shot next year. Um, I think Leon's going to beat Colby in December. I feel pretty good about that. Um, if Colby wins, then Paul's never ever fight for the title. <laughs> it's just he'll just never fight for the title. Um, but I think I think Leon again, as I've said for most of his career, it feels like at this point, um, just can't do a single thing correct when he's outside of the cage. Him calling to fight for the middleweight belt and all that, oh. like that's aside from being the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life and actually infuriating. Um, it's never gonna happen. And because he's not picking his welterweight spot, I think there's just gonna be a room where they're like, Bilal's one eight or whatever. Let's just do it so we can get check this box while we set up, you know, the the next guy up for this. Well, so I, I think he's going to get one next year, but I wouldn't bet like a lot of money on that. Yeah. If Colby wins, he's in deep shit. And Colby wins in deep shit. And there's also just the possibility, like if Shafkot just kills Steven Thompson, they might just say, all right, we're done messing around. Like just put this homie in there. And uh, if that's the case, then Bilal's in trouble. But welterweight has somehow bucked the trend of other weight classes where, Welterweight has historically, you've kind of been able to just sort of wait and eventually get one. Tyron Woodley did it. He was out for like 18 months and finally got one. Colby's about to be out for like two years to get a title shot. Leon himself just sort of waited and it kind of fell into his lap. For whatever reason, that seems to happen a little more often in welterweight. So I th- I'm going to guess that he gets one next year. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned Shavkat. There's These dudes are coming. Ian Gary's coming. They're, they're coming, man. They're coming quick. I think so, I think Ian Gary's on that same Brendan Allen timeline. I would say twenty twenty five for Ian Gary. I think yeah. Shavkat Shavkat and Shemaev are fighting for belts next year. It's going to be super interesting. They're both um, probably winning belts next year. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, two ninety six is going to be awesome. I can't wait for two ninety six. Really good card. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, I'll be in Orlando covering Jake Paul's boxing match, and then I'll fly from Orlando to New York for the watch party. It's uh, it's going to be a time. It's going to be a time that final week uh, for you the UFC. See Andre August in person. Lucky you. I know. I know. I mean, the, the eyes of the MMA and combat world will be on Las Vegas, and there's me in Orlando, just hanging out, being the only guy on with boots on the ground, more than likely. So, uh, should be a good time. 
There we'll won't be many, golfing. so that will be good. That'll be a great opportunity. Yeah, great, great opportunity. Tell me how Jake Paul's golf game is. I would love for that to happen. I've reached out and tried to make that happen, but we shall see. Uh, last thing, it is Thanksgiving, Jed, here in the United States. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for in this wonderful world of of, of mixed martial arts, Jed? Well, I'm always, I think I did this last year too. Uh, I'm always thankful for our, our dear listeners, even the stupid ones. Um, <laughs> because without you, I couldn't do what I get to do for a living. And I'm still kind of surprised that I, this is my job somehow. Um, and so I'm really thankful for it. And I'll never forget that even uh, when you're being dumb, you know, when, when you, the listeners, are being dumb, uh, which sometimes you are. But that's okay. We've all been dumb. Lord knows I've been dumb plenty of times in my life. So I'm thankful for that. Um, what else? I mean, obviously everyone's thankful for their family. That feels trite and overrated to say, you know, but I'm very, very thankful for my family and, and the good fortune that um, we've had in that regard. I am thankful for, from a fighting respect, I am thankful for Sean Strickland, maybe not as a person, um, but Sean Strickland, the entity who defeated Israel Adesanya made me really happy. And let me tell you, I actually just realized I was working my way through this and I got to the thing. The thing I'm more thankful for this year than maybe I've ever been in the history of this sport. I am thankful for Islam Makachev and his left shin because after years of being the only sane person in this sport, we finally got to a place where we could stop talking about Alexander Volkanovsky, the lightweight, and start talking about defending titles in the weight classes in which you are the champion and the one, the many great fights that can be had at 145 and, broadly speaking, just across the rest of the sport when we're not doing this stupid two-weight nonsense. So thank you, uh, Islam Akhtev. Thank you, Charles Oliveira, for... Um, removing yourself from that fight because you didn't want to lose to Islam in Abu Dhabi a second year in a row. Totally understand that. Uh, thank you for everything that happened there. And Mike, of course, thank you uh, to Tom Aspinall for not being scared because we all know that John is very scared and don't be scared, John. I mean, what else can be said right there? Uh, yes. Thankful to all the peeps. Thankful to all the colleagues. Thankful to you, Jed, showing up at BTL most times uh, without hesitation, not even knowing what we're talking about. Halftime, you don't even know who you're facing until yeah. you show up and walk into the room. The virtual you know room. Beautiful. Do you know why that is? Because I'm not scared, Mike. <laughs> I, I answer the call. I show up. I put in the work. I defend my title every time out, and I'm not handpicking fights against geriatric old dudes because I'm shook. I, I'm never going to be shook, Mike, and I wish I could say the same for the so-called undisputed UFC heavyweight champion, Jonathan uh, Dwayne Dwight. Jones. Dwight. 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 Ah, damn. The number one heavyweight in the world. Get it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't be mine. <laughs> Just couldn't be mine. <laughs> couldn't be my goat either. John, you need this fight for your legacy, my man. What if, what if the UFC talking. announces this fight on Thursday? What if this That'll is their... Be- incredibly f- one uh it would be awesome like i hope the fight happens it would be terrific it, it's one of like the best fights that can be made in the sport at this point in time uh but mostly it would just be so deeply funny uh that may that they at least cared enough to 
to counter program PFL's announcement or whatever. <laughs> like it would be incredible. I'd love it. I'd love it a lot. Does the UFC make a big announcement before the PFL pay-per-view on Friday? No, I don't think nothing. They care. No fight. Uh, what do they need to announce? Connor um, Chandler. I don't know. That seems like that's still not happening. <laughs> Based on people talking in the reports, it seems like there's still not really a set timeline on Connor. So I don't know. Uh, no, I don't. I think, you know, Dana already gave us the early slate for 2024. The next big announcement will come. Maybe it'll be a Christmas present, but I don't think it's happening over Thanksgiving. Hey, who knows? Maybe Ariel can tweet out yeah. what the current plan is. And then everyone could take it out of context and force Dana to make an announcement. So it happened last time. It's how we got the th- the big announcement of the three fights. Ariel reported what was actually true, and then everyone <sighs> threw a fit, and then Dana announced three fights. Pesky so. Ariel reporting facts. I, mean, I know. Come on, you know? The 13-time journalist of the year actually doing journalism. It's crazy. Hey, Nuts. did he? He didn't put out that PFL was going to buy Bellator for five hundred million dollars. So, man, of of the many real dumb things that have come <laughs> through this sport in this space, that that is just about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, I'm I'm really trying to think of something dumber, and I'm not sure I can. Yeah, that was. That was wild. Well, that was at a, least that was a tough year for, for for Bellator. They went from a five hundred million dollar valuation to a thirty seven cent valuation, depending on what you value the PFL <laughs> stock that they got back was. Ah, oh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, all right, well, Jed, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to those who are celebrating that are listening right now. And if you're not celebrating, it's it's. You, we can be thankful for a PFL pay-per-view that costs you 50 bucks uh, coming up on Friday. And if you don't want to spend 50 bucks on it, don't you worry. MMAfighting.com, terrific website, as Jed likes to say. Uh, we will cover it for you. We'll tell you what the hell's happening. Uh, so you don't have to spend your $50. But if you want to, the fighters get 50% of this. So if you want to support the fighters, go ahead. But I don't know if they're getting a big commission check off this one. You know, that's the one good selling point to a $50 price tag is at least the fighters are getting 25 of it. But, uh, you know, when you think about it, and that means really each fighter is getting like a dollar because <laughs> there are six title fights plus Kayla Harrison is definitely getting a piece. So, you know, except maybe Biagio Ali Walsh, who is an amateur. So he may not get any, can't get any dollars. You know, I personally like to work for free when I could be getting paid instead. That's, <laughs> I've I've tried to I've tried to talk to him at PFL events and it's just like no like we're really comfortable with like doing this like okay Fair. do you I guess <laughs> if you're well, happy man I don't know <laughs> it seems real dumb but all right well we will recap everything that happened at the PFL World Championship we will preview UFC Austin next week that looks frigging great that it may be the best fight night card of 2023 and we'll talk about the other big oh, news going on in oh, the that sport. is quite good it's very good that's a great main card just you should take on a prelim all right yeah that's, that's not bad pretty 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 good so thank you all very much we appreciate you back next week right here between the links good night everybody love y'all
in the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 